Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Joining us today is Amarjot Bagger, Head of Environmental and Social Impact at Iris, a financial services software provider. Amarjot is an experienced sustainability professional and part of FS Sustainability's inaugural ESG Power 50 list, representing one of the 50 most influential sustainability professionals at ASX-listed companies. Amarjot, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Greener Way. Can you please introduce yourself and your role at Iris? Hi, Rachel. Um, Lovely to be here and thank you for having me and enduring my voice. My role at IRIS uh, as a global financial services um, organisation is Head of Environmental and Social Impact. My remit is across ESG and um, the purpose of my role is to create um, genuine impact for both people and planet. Fantastic. So how do you go about doing that in a practical way um, in terms of setting a sustainability strategy at a company and then embedding it? Yeah, I think it all starts um, with with practical steps. There's, you know, we we sustainability professionals have a bit of a toolkit. Um, and when we first start with an organization, you know, formally it's called materiality, but I think informally mm. we want to get a gauge on the most important issues um, for our business. So we set about doing that through interviews, through surveys, um, just just getting a context of the landscape. So looking at what our peers are doing, benchmarking, and also looking at where the organization is strategically as well. I think that's an important facet. And then one of the most important elements is leadership alignment. So you need that support. So hopefully if the role exists, then that process has already been you know, undertaken. Um, the business case for sustainability has been made. And so um, leadership alignment and then finding out what all of your stakeholders, you know, your clients, your investors, um, for a public company especially, your suppliers, mm. you know, industry partners, charities, whatever it might be that you you deem important um, from a material stakeholder perspective, you get their perspectives and their views. And, and from there, you create important focus areas for your strategy. So what does that mean, um, particularly at Iris? What are the material issues at Iris and how have you linked those material issues, both financial and sustainability, to the business case? Absolutely. So for us, financial services and technology um, at the, at the clients um, are important for us. Climate change is a material issue for all businesses. Human rights um, are important. Supplier management, um, customer service and management of data, uh, information security, they're, they're some of our top material issues. So we set about evaluating what our risks are in those areas, and then we create and map opportunities. So from a strategic perspective as well, that is what the business is looking at. And and so we match sustainability strategy amongst that. So what are your climate change risks? Let's take that in turn. Yeah, so um, being, you know, we we consume um, a lot of resource at data centres. The the technology has to be hosted somewhere. We have office buildings and we're emitting a lot of emissions. You know, as a business, we have travel, we have work from home in scope three. So scope one, two and three, all of those scopes are just as important. You know, it used to be that you look at your scope one and your two and you create strategies to mitigate them. But, you know, more and more we're seeing that scope three 
um, is even more significant because that's where all of your emissions are. And mm. and I think um, it's really important for a technology business, especially to account data center consumption as a material emission. So let's just be really clear about that. Um, uh, so scope three, your scope three emissions would be mostly in those data centers, Correct. i.e. the way your customers are using the software and loading their data uh, on data centers. How do you attack a problem like that? Yeah, it's a big one. I think firstly, yeah. it comes with measurement. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's it's not just our uh, customers using um, that data. It's our own data that's hosted on, on those platforms. I think once... Um, you have measurement, Mm. you then can set a baseline for saying, well, this is the line in the sand. And then you set about doing science-based targets, which is a, Mm -hmm. you know, the gold standard best practice approach in, in reduction, but you can't Mm. just set targets. (laughs) You've, you've (laughs) also got to have a pathway um, to mitigate those emissions as well. So how do you mitigate data center emissions? (laughs) Well, it's (laughs) not an easy question to solve, but renewable Mm. energy is a big one water intensity and usage. So, um, you know, data centers need a lot of cooling using um, supplier. I think it's a, it's a supplier partnership in, in using the most efficient resources um, to service those needs. Nerd out on those details. And logic. We love this here at The Greener Way. And then human rights, um, you know, what would be a human rights exposure uh, for, a, for a software provider like Iris? And how do you attack that and, you know, sort of bring positive solutions? Yeah. So, you know, we have nearly 1,600 suppliers and out of those, um, we use anything from uh, equipment, the manufacturing of software equipment we know is a high risk human rights issue from the way the materials are sourced to how production um, occurs. And, and, you know, using big name computers isn't where the danger lays. It's Mm. further down in the supply chain. So I think human rights uh, considerations are further down the supply chain. It's about conducting risk scans, which then inform the high risk categories and areas, which then you can further do a risk assessment on. So we're at that stage where we have done a risk scan and identified five key areas. Um, So anywhere from, like I said, software and technology equipment to facilities, um, you know, high risk areas with migrant populations, such as uh, facilities needs, such as cleaning, security, catering, and and looking looking further into a, a deeper dive. And, and that's what, you know, one of the ethos of the modern slavery legislation is, due mm. diligence, due diligence, due mm. diligence. It's interesting, Amarja, because we often look at human rights as a risk. Um, but, you know, can there be a positive impact? Um, you know, I think I've heard you speak very passionately before about some very interesting projects that you've implemented at IRIS to solve four problems in a positive way. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a really um, good way to um, look at um, the human rights lens because it's often, we're talking about modern slavery and, and some of the mm. you know detrimental impacts of that. But a program I inherited at IRIS was our partnership with Talent Beyond Boundaries, which is a global mobility refugee employment um, uh, not-for-profit. And they've done incredible work in creating talent um, access. We've got six employees through Talent Beyond Boundaries. And so that partnership with Talent Beyond Boundaries means that, you know, we talk about diversity and DNI. Our, our colleagues from Talent Beyond Boundaries, we were able to look at them and able to interview them and put them through the process um, against 
any any talent we would um, anywhere in the world. Um, and that's been such an incredible uh, program that we've been able to impact um, and, you know, a new lease in life and livelihoods and families have been moved, not just individuals. So that's an incredible um, initiative to be a part of at Aris. And beyond that, we're always looking at refugee employment. So we've just done a scholarship for um, user experience design, and that came out of introduction we did at um, with the River Nile School in Melbourne, and we found two wonderful um, candidates that wanted to explore a alternative career path, and they were introduced to Iris through a, a uh, partnership, and um, we've been able to successfully mentor some wonderful women um, uh, experience uh, technology, employment in uh, technology. Fantastic. And I love hearing about the ways in which people are looking at ES and G, not just as a risk mitigation strategy, but as, you know, levers and tools for positive impact. So um, speaking of that, you know, once you start a program, Amarjit, how do you then measure success or potentially, you know, failure? Um, and how do you benchmark progress? Yeah, I think it's really important to have, um, some metrics in place, you know, whether they be targets when it comes to science-based targets initiative for emissions. But when it comes to social, um, I think we like to not put quotas in place, but when we are doing a program such as with Talent Beyond Boundaries, we do want to get some numbers in place to see how many colleagues we'd like to see through the program. That then helps us communicate that to all of the stakeholders involved and, um, you know, for reporting as well. I think it's amazing to be able to exceed those numbers in some instances, but, you know, keep the numbers down when it comes to emissions. Um, Mm. So I think we have to have the numbers in place to know, you know, as a measure of success and same as modern slavery, you know, how do you measure effectiveness as well? You want to make sure that whilst you're doing all those risk scans and the due diligence that the incidences or any opportunity to get there before that is as low as possible. Mm. Excellent. So how do you then present um, those findings um, to your various stakeholders, whether it's your employees internally, your shareholders, your business partners? Um, does building that narrative around those metrics, how does that happen? Yeah, I, I, I heard um, one of um, the speakers at Edge Impact say that sustainability is all about um, strategy, science and storytelling. And I loved mm. that. Oh, um, <laughs> gosh, me too. Actually, I think I'm going to steal that. <laughs> um, and um, I, I think it's really important, that storytelling. It's not about, you know, uh, fluffy messaging. I think storytelling is more than that. I think it's about creating engagement and buy-in um, with all of your stakeholders. So we have uh, governance um set up internally to report to our people, to our leaders, to our board, and then obviously through formally um, to investors through the ESG report annually. But, you know, we're we're doing a lot of engagement throughout the year as well, whether it's um, opportunities like this or whether it's (laughs) website or any any sort of opportunity to talk about that. I think, again, it's it's, um, about creating that story. How do you make a sustainability strategy integral to the financial performance of a company, Amarjit? Um, and not a nice to have. You know, we often talk about, you know, volunteer days and volunteer hours. Um, that, that makes everybody feel great. But do things like that actually add anything to company performance? 
Yeah, I think this is a, a, a very important question. And um, I think it's about the business case for sustainability. So what is that? It's what we spoke about earlier is I think having those defined impacts um, initially and an and impact, as we know, is very difficult to measure, whether it's environmental impact or social. Environmental, is we can say, is a little bit easier from an emissions perspective. But I mean, emissions on an environmental impact, right? It's just mitigation. Um, mm. So I think uh, you you really need to agree on as as an organization and, and you need to do that with leadership when you're doing those material um, conversations at the beginning of the strategy is what does success look like? And that's, I think that's, that's one way of integrating into strategy. So for example, you know, having a really good um, sense of things such as property, what, what are some of the facilities plans and what are they, the conversations that are being happening? I'm really lucky that my, that team is really engaged in in at Iris that um, they know that when we are having a consolidation of property or when we're looking for new sites, we know there's a sustainability lens. So I would say that one of my um, key uh, measures of success is to assess if there is sustainability integration in the business is if those colleagues are asking those questions and not just me or or the sustainability department. And, and like I said, at Iris, I, I see a lot more of that um, since we've started working on our ESG strategy. And then I think what what else is important is going beyond, you know, volunteering and having a nice day is working in partnership. If if there are SDGs that are sustainable development goals that you have identified that are material that you can have an impact to positively, I, I think it's really important to put some of those metrics in place and use that as a gauge, then, then a nice volunteering day. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever sustainable development goals that your organization has an affinity or an impact on, there's, you know, the UN gives you some pretty good indicators of what success looks like in those. And, and for us, you know, our sustainable development goals that we focus on through our RS Impact Foundation work is SDG 4, which is quality education, being a tech business, we, we think we have a material impact there. Um, and, and, you know, not just um, in engaging women in tech, but also when we look at strategies such as e-waste, we wanted to engage a supplier that could then repurpose some of our tech equipment. And now we work with Lighthouse in Australia and they donate um, some of our, you know, still good condition um, laptops and computers into uh, regional and um, rural communities across Australia, Papua New Guinea, and then uh, across um, other regions, we we look at exploring something similar as well. Look, what rings through really strongly through this conversation, Amarjit, is that you're very passionate about what you do um, and and leveraging the pathways within Iris to achieve sustainable, positive, and positive social and environmental outcomes. What gets you out of bed in the morning? I was born in India, which was a developing country then, isn't so much now. Um, mm. And I, my family migrated to Australia when I was quite young and I watched my parents work hard labor jobs 
And, um, you know, they worked six to seven days a week. So we could have an amazing education. But through all of that, we always had a sense of community. So whether it'd be volunteering or, or um, any type of environmental work. And then when I studied and wanted to, um, you know, have a professional career, I knew I couldn't just have a corporate job. And mm. um, CSR was very popular 15 years ago. <laughs> so I fell into a, um, a role into um, forestry and, and exposure to, you know, something called carbon. And <laughs> that really changed the course of my life. And then through that, I had exposure to humanitarian work, working in hunger relief overseas, and then, you know, prevention of trafficking in Cambodia. And it's it's an incredible world. But even when we've gone back to India, I think um, it's not about being, you know, volunteerism is really dangerous as well. So I'm not mm. encouraging that. But I think that exposure to developing countries and some of the issues and international development work that I've seen, um, I don't think there's, I couldn't lay at night satisfied with any other role than some way in some small shape or format um, contributing to the world. And I know that, um, you know, all of the sacrifices my parents have made as migrants, um, yeah, I, I hope that, um, you know, I can, I can live a life that's true to that and um, contribute to the community. Excellent. Well, to uh, to shoehorn in my favorite Hamilton uh, line, immigrants, we get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Amrajat Baga, the head of environmental and social impact at IRIS, thank you so much for coming and sharing your views on The Greener Way. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for, again, tolerating the voice. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you like today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.